Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Rogue Report podcast. Yeah. Phil Parkinson's gone. I've managed to bring together some of my friends. Mal, how are you doing? I'm good, Gav. Much better with what's just been announced. Um, hope you're well too. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And Chris, how are you, mate? I'm fantastic, mate. Much better than I was on the post-match pod from Friday. Well, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Phil Parkinson's gone. So we have come together tonight just to try and get our heads together on the news. Um, the statement on SFC.com reads, Sunday FC have today parted company with manager Phil Parkinson. The 52-year-old was appointed in October 2019 overseeing a total of 47 matches during his 13 months at the Stadium of Light. Assistant manager Steve Parkin also departs and the club would like to place on record its thanks to both Phil and Steve for their efforts during their time at Sunderland. Um, preparations for Tuesday's Skybet League One fixture against Burton Albion will resume on Monday, with first-team coach Andrew Taylor taking charge of the squad. The board will now, come, uh, will now begin the search for a new manager and will m- make no further comment until this process is completed. Uh, just to follow that up, uh, there was a tweet from Alan Nixon in the Sun. He believes that Parkinson was told during training he received a phone call today to inform him that he had lost his job. Uh, and I can't remember what time this news dropped. It might have been about five o'clock, sometime but around then, um, maybe four or five o'clock. But yeah, so this has happened fairly late on in the day, really. Um, any anyone surprised about that news, Chris? I mean, it was. Do you feel like it was coming? Uh yeah. So if you if you go back to the post. Um, player ratings pod for the post um, Fleetwood on Friday night that went out I think it went out did it go out yesterday morning I was asked the question I think Bomber asked us the question saying um, what about Parkinson what about the future and it was the second at least the second time I'd said on a pod that uh, it was only a matter of time so um, it was just all about the time and, and how we were going to analyse that so I'm sure we'll come on to that but no wasn't wasn't a surprise at all No Malk we spoke off air briefly just about how you know we sort of approach this news as fans and obviously I think the consensus would be that we're, we're pretty delighted to see the back of them but um, no hard feelings I would say really I know Parkinson obviously wasn't doing a great job but um, part of me kind of feels well it wasn't really his fault in the first place that they gave him the job um, so he's you know he goes with our best wishes I guess but it's something that needed to happen ultimately. Yeah I agree I mean he's uh, he just he just wasn't cut of a suitable cloth for a job like this from the off, in my opinion. I think a lot of people, when he got the job, were quite surprised uh, that, he'd, that he'd got the role. Um, obviously, he's got League One experience. He's got experience of getting teams up the divisions. Um, but it, it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, 
everybody I'm sure will wish him the best of luck with his next job. Uh, but he just he, he was just a square peg in a round hole as far as I'm concerned, and I'm surprised it took as long as it did. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of the reasons that might have uh, caused it to be as protracted as it was. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But what big one big thing for me has been the 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 way after he's spoken after games that can't have gone down well, Chris. Really, the way the way no. the way he's kind of talked up bad results and performances against poor teams. That the writing was on the wall, really, after that MK Dons game for me. <laughs> well, you say the writing was on the wall, but I mean, if you go back to what month is it? November, end of November. If you go back to end of or even middle of November, um, twenty nineteen, about a year ago, I remember. I remember after some midweek games. After I can't remember who we were playing. I think there was one at Gillingham, um, where we were awful and hardly had a shot and target the whole game. And he came out afterwards and said, oh, we we were brilliant and how fantastic we were and all this sort of stuff. And I remember everyone commenting saying, you know, they just watched the same game. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's nothing new. And for me, I mean, I, I think the writing was on the wall during that run a year ago. Um, I think he came in. I, I don't think he was the right man for the job on the day he joined. I don't think he was the right man. Even when he kind of had that upturn, I, I, I always felt that it was always going to go wrong at some point. And... Yeah, I mean, like I said, he he was saying the say these type of things a year ago, and he's constantly been doing it. It was only a matter of time before he wore someone down. Yeah. yeah uh, what about what about the timing, Mark? Then so obviously it appears the takeover is very close to completion. I know they're never going to come out and say that the new owners have had something to do with this decision, but the timing's appropriate, isn't it? Really, that we're, we're about to head down a different road, um, and maybe 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 now. In a week where we have two games against two of the league's poorest teams, this is the right time maybe to to just give the breathing space to the players for the next man to come in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the timing is um, overdue for me. Um, I agree with what you're saying, Chris. You know, after that 1-1 against Bolton um, the other Christmas, everybody was thinking, what on earth's going on here? He gave himself a bit of a stay of execution with that run of nine or ten games where we pushed ourselves up the league. Um the the present situation, you know, we've always been in the top kind of six or eight. I think where we were before the Fleetwood game was our lowest position since the start of the season when it's basically alphabetical, isn't it? So, you know, we're, we've been there or thereabouts. Um, I do think the uh, the new ownership is is potentially involved. And if you think about it, if you the new owners and, and you want to pick up, a um, you know, an option to invest in and take up through the divisions, you know, I'm sure the numbers change um, when you're buying a club that's flying high at the top of League One versus a club that's 10th or 11th or 12th or wherever it might be. Um, so it may well be they've just said, look, this isn't right. We don't want you pulling out of this because the manager's not doing what we think he can. They might have just wanted to remove him as a variable so that the deal is more, um, you know, reassured because we don't want things falling apart at such a 11th hour. Um, so... I, I I think they've probably had a conversation with the potential new owners about it because um, I don't think they would fire the present manager without them being aware of the situation. Hmm. Uh, but I do think that, that going on in the background hasn't been ideal. For, from, for what it's worth, my view on all of this, I think I've made pretty well clear on this podcast in recent weeks. But for yeah, for what it's worth, I just... Parkinson really engineered his own downfall in a lot of ways. He, there, there, was, there, was, there was an opportunity there for him to really show what he was all about. I'm sure I'm sure owners and, and chief executives and stuff they, they want to see somebody who fights for the for the place really. When you know you're up against it, you should be fighting, fighting to prove yourself. And even if 
things do go the way that they should, uh, sorry, the way that people expect them to go and you do lose your job, at least go down fighting. And I don't think Parkinson did that at any point. For me, he didn't try and change the way we play. He didn't revert from the um, his ethos of mainly sticking by experienced players. Um, when there was a lot of criticism about his use of substitutes, no difference was made in his approach to games. Just everything really pointed towards him being pretty aware that he was his days were numbered. And um, if there's one black mark against Parkinson, I would say going out of the door, it's that he never fought for his job because I just think the last string of results could have gone a completely different way had he actually reacted in the way that most fans were saying he should, which was just to try a different approach. Bring bring players into the team who we know can change games. And I think I think he's gonna go he's gonna go now and you'll hear from him probably in a few months' time and there'll be interviews in the in the newspapers and probably on TV with Parkinson talking about the way he lost his job. And I think he will make excuses and he was making excuses after the game against uh Fleetwood, talking about how we're we're using we're we've we've got we're now on a level playing field with the likes of Atrington and I mean those are the sort of things that will probably leave his mouth when he tries to defend what happened here. But I think anybody with any sense who's watched Sunderland in the last what well since the season started really can can't can can't stand there honestly and say that he didn't deserve to go. I've seen a few tweets from from people in the national media sort sort of shaking their head at the decision to get rid. But really, unless you're a Sunderland fan and you've watched us play this season, you just don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. This is a good move. And it doesn't matter what happens on the takeover front. If everything fell apart this week, this was still something that needed to happen. And for me, whether or not um, people are happy with the proposed changes with the new takeover and whatever and what's going to happen with the new owners, etc. Parkinson still had to go. And this this is a good day. This is a good well, that, day. That, on that, what, what you were saying there, Gav, I mean, talking about fighting for his job. I mean, he seemed what he seemed to do in between games for me was go back to the training ground and emphasise more on the original plan there was no there there seemed to be no going back and working on something new it always seemed to be working harder at getting his his plan a right and the the thing for me is you talked about this season is we all saw at the start of the season we all we all kind of went okay this is a bit of a different way of doing it he's done he's done his homework here he's done some work on the training ground we kept the ball keeping possession um long long stretches of possession and we, we just didn't have that final product to start with. And, and we were all kind of sat here saying, well, if we just get that final product and be a bit more positive, um, we could be in here, you know, could be kind of pushing for the top two. And it's just never improved. No. So so like you said, it, it fighting for his job, if that part improved, if he improved that that kind of, you know, being positive in the final third and committing players, he, he might still have been in a job. Mm. Yeah. I'm just going to look at Twitter now. We've got, the, we put a tweet out asking for people's uh, views on the situation, three-word summary, and everybody pretty much seems to be on the same page. Mark E at Roker Park, he says, what next though? Good question. I mean, what is next for Sunderland? We don't know, but regardless, I don't, I don't think that, that uncertainty and, and the, um, the the past behaviours of these owners should really have put any doubt that this was the right decision to make. Um, Kingy442, which already means by that, presuming to change the system. Uh, Adam Thika a year late exactly what you guys have been saying mm. um, James Atkinson absolutely fucking buzzing Adam Guest only the start he has hoping um, Martin Heron hope can return uh, Danny Watson thank the lord rejected manager says 2020 finishing well I guess that's three words uh, Thomas Howe light the beacons Michael Oates knee sliding delirium Lord Barrel cans on ice uh, 
Connor Gardner up the Gus. Well, there's something we'll probably come on to. Uh, Gavin Moan on the cans. Ross Hall, it's fucking happening. Barry DF, fuck the mags, okay. Um, Simon Gray, <laughs> Christmas comes early. Hannah B, season starts now. Yeah, the, the theme is very uh, much along those lines. I, I don't think there's many people really worried that that was the right decision to make, apart from um, old Punky, who says, apprehensive, next appointment is massive, need to get it spot on, and if made by the new owners, we'll see a lot about their ambitions. So I guess we'll come on to that. That isn't a three-word review, but it is a good starting point for the next stage of this discussion. Um, yeah, the next appointment, Malk. I'm seeing some funny names linked with this job, so the bookies have already in full flow. I've seen David O'Leary's name linked. Where did that come from? Ah, oh, God knows. But <laughs> um, it's the usual suspects, really. Paul Cook, Super Kev's up there, Danny Cowley. I mean, rather than getting into specific names, and we've 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 actually went over this in recent weeks on the pod. But what what sort of manager do we need next? And I mean, t- just to, just a caveat that. The news that emerged from the Le Keep article on on the takeover suggested that we would be appointing a sporting director, which would take us down a whole different route. Now, obviously, with a sporting director, that's basically the, the owners handing over the responsibility of the football side of the operation to somebody that they're bringing into the club. So that point hasn't been made yet. Um, let's, let's suppose they have somebody lined up to come in. That decision has to be made by them, surely, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, there is the possibility, in my view, that the sporting director could be about to be announced and that person's been part of the decision to let Parkinson move on because he, he isn't or she isn't part of the plans, you know. So there's a, there's a good chance that that person may already be, um, you know, in the inner circles. Um, what 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 happens next for me is is pivotal in what happens for the club going forward. The one thing, or one of the several things, I should say, that Parkinson frustrated me and I think a number of other people in doing was he he didn't seem to recognise what good football was. As you said, Chris, you know, we could have a really mediocre game and he'd come off, have an interview with the press, never look the camera, never kind of engage with people and and he'd be talking up the positive things we've done in in a game of football that 95% of the fans who watched it would say was was way below the the expectation levels that we've all got. You know, we are in a League One league. You you can only expect you know a good standard of League One footballers uh, to play a good standard of League One football. But when somebody's so blinded to what um what they're saying uh, and and they're putting such spin on it, um, I need the new person to have as we we've talked about in articles of late. We need them to have a bit of a vision and a bit of an expectation of, of what, what we're going to try and do, you know. And we need to accept that it won't happen overnight because these things never do. Uh, but I'd, I'd like us to to regain an identity, to have somebody who's really got a, a journey for the club in mind um, to work with the owners. Um, and, you know, if there is a sporting director coming in, I don't think that's a terrible thing. I think Stuart Donald possibly should have done that previously because, you know, he's he's not really... He threw himself into the club when he first took it on. Um, and, you know, everybody was over the moon about that initially. Um, but he never really had the footballing brains around him um, to unfortunately make a success of it. So, um, so yeah, we, we need to do this properly, as that uh, comment you've just read out suggests, Gav. We, we need to consider this. No knee-jerk appointments. Take emotions away from it. Think about the future of the club and how we can head in the right direction with the right people and, and put one of them in place. Mm. Chris, any thoughts there? As uh, as Malcolm said, with the it, 
it looks like it's uh, it looks like something like there's been a switch flicked. So it looks like we've hit a point where either you know whatever deal is going on for the ownership of the club either hangs on, um, you know, Parkinson going as as it happened to say that was part of the deal, or it's um, or it's the new owners actually getting into a position saying we're going to take you know we're going to take over a win position. We've got the sport director in place and. They, as Malcolm said, they've made the decision and they're off. So they're obviously wanting to go in a different direction. We know the direction which Parkinson was, know the type of manager he was, um, which was, you know, he's he's almost kind of he's been looked upon as that lower league expert to to get teams up to the to the championship or, or League One even in the past with Bradford and and others. Um, so if they're going in a different direction to someone like that, I don't think. It's going to be along the lines, you know, I, I'm just looking at the odds now, Paul Cook, 7-2. to two. I can't see it being someone like that because I, I no. he, for me, he'd be in the Parkinson mould. He'd be that, mm-hmm. you know, League One expert where it's kind of bringing experienced players at that level like Parkinson was doing and, and try and get us up that way. I think they're going to go in a completely different direction. Um, Poyet's come into 7-2 to two and Danny Cowley's 2-1. to one. Um, It looks like it's going to go in that direction in terms of, you know, the, the technical type of manager where, you know, the coach um, who can coach a group of players in the sport and director can bring the players to fit into their system or, or the system that they want the club to, to move forward with. Um, and I, I don't, I, I mean, that that's a good direction to go in. I think it's risky, maybe risky at this level, but it's, it's definitely worth a try. We, we need a strategy. We need a, um, we need an identity. So that, that would be a, a step in the right direction. Um, the other option is to, and if you look at, Previous managers who've been successful, uh, your Dennis Smiths, your Mick McCarthy's, your Peter Reeds, your Roy Keynes. Um, look at, I mean, just those four names, four absolutely huge characters who all took the club by the scruff of the neck and dragged us up, um, you know, into something where we had better standards, we were in a better position. Um, and and it, I mean, if you look at those four, part of the, part of what they did was just by pure determination and because of their character rather than because they were you know, geniuses on the tra- uh, on the training ground or whatever. So, I mean, I, I think I think with the, the Sunderland fans, the way they are, whoever comes in has to be a huge character because w- we don't accept the likes of Parkinson coming out after games and telling us a lot of rubbish because we can see through it. So um, it'll be interesting to see what direction they take. Yeah. For me, another big, big thing that has to be part of this decision is um, <clears throat> bringing in somebody who actually embraces the fact we've got a, we've got an academy that's of category one standard and produces first team players. I mean, the uh, one of the worst worst things about Partington was the fact that he clearly did not trust young players. You've got a crop there now, I would say, of of, of lads who they they're not going to get a better chance to make it at Sunderland because we're in League One. You know, Elliot Embleton is 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 a future star waiting to happen, but injuries have curtailed his career at this point. But he's fit. Play him. You know, Jack Diamond, another one who is ready to play games. Dan Neal, or I'm not so sure, looks a good player, but he's maybe a little bit younger than those lads, and um, but even still has never disgraced himself playing first-team football. Whoever comes in has to recognise that what we have here is something special, and we've got lads there who need to be playing first-team football, not for other clubs, for us. You know, We can't, we can't let good players keep slipping through our fingers. Someone need to become a club who young players, when they, when they come here, they know that I'm going to, when, I'm going to play games first and foremost. And I'm uh, I'm gonna make it, you know, and then I'm gonna go on somewhere else and do even more in football. 
that has to be part of our identity because why not? You've got a Category 1 academy there and the next manager has to be a coach first and foremost. They have to come in and look at what we've got here now and go, what, an England under-19 international midfielder who creates and scores goals, can play off both feet, takes their pieces. I like a bit of that, you know. Instead of looking at the players who Parkinson has looked to continuously this season, who have made no change to the team, have made no impact. We have to we have to become a club who are academy-centric for me. And the whole sporting director thing interests us because a lot of clubs who hire sporting directors go down a very modern route, the sort of German route. I know we've heard Borussia Dortmund model in the past, right? But it's actually... It is. It is the sort of um, it's the sort of way you can see this going because German clubs primarily have people who run the football side of the club and the higher coaches. They don't hire big names essentially, and I can sort of see that being the case where you bring somebody in to run the football club, have a have a really talented coach working under them, a bit like what let, let's say Swansea Swansea have done, um, Brentford to a probably a. a probably a better example but I'm that's the example to follow in my eyes when you've got a setup like we have bring somebody in who you know is going to get the most out of the resources that we've got because I couldn't say Phil Parkinson did that he brought he when 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 Sunderland wanted a forward option in in the summer we ended up going for Danny Graham and I just that is the wrong way to think as a football club you get no resale value from that player it's somebody who is completely at the end of their career and I just think we need somebody a bit more modern in their approach and thinking. Um, so yeah, I couldn't actually. We'll get onto this now, I guess. Names, some of like say some of the names in the betting that have been linked with with the job, for instance, uh, Paul Cook. Not somebody I want. If that my the way my mind is right now, I just want to see somebody come in who who you can build with. And I'm not so sure Paul Cook is that man. Um, you know, again, another one who's been linked with the job continuously. Is Danny Cowley? Don't know a lot about him, but he does fit that sort of approach, doesn't he? That I'm talking about. Somebody like Cowley, who's worked with um, a sporting director before, embraces data and and analytics, uh, has a proven record of of developing young players. I could see him. He's probably going to be on the shortlist, isn't he? Um, is there anybody who rolls off your tongue, Malk, when it comes to the to to the hiring of a new manager? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in in social media circles talking about big gus coming back probably um, due to the the uruguayan connections um with sartori and and you know some of those things um would would i want gus to come back i mean he he brought brighton up from league 1 didn't he you know back he did, in yeah. the in the earlier part of his career kind of 10 12 years ago now um so it's not that he doesn't know how to play football at this level although it's been quite some time obviously he did well with us um for a period of time, um, you know, back in the kind of 13, 14 season when we got the cup final and stuff. Um, There's an element of me, though, that thinks, well, do we go there again? Do we not need a a fresh start with a fresh approach and a fresh coach slash manager? Um, So I'm I'm not too sure whether um, Poyet will be um, a good choice, you know. Um, I agree with your points about Paul Cook. Yes, he took Wigan up, um, but then they came straight back down again. Um, not too long later on, um, and he did well with Portsmouth, but he is he is a very um Parkinson like um manager in my opinion. Um, I'd like somebody who's who's got some future in them. So the Cowleys, you could argue, you know, they've they've been around a bit. They did well at Lincoln. They did well 
they did okay at Huddersfield, but then I think there was a bit of a falling out with the owners and stuff like that that was part of them moving yeah. on from Huddersfield as much as anything else. Uh, is that a bad thing? Well, not necessarily, because you want somebody who's going to challenge the owners to do what the, the football inside needs for success. So um, as long as that's not a big issue, then fair enough. Every man and his dog um, in, in fan circles seems to talk about um, you know a combination involving old super Kev as well. Um and maybe Nigel Pearson with with Kev, you know, I mean Kevin Phillips will never be anything other than a legend in all of our eyes, and it would, be, it would certainly be a shame to spoil that that status by him coming yeah. along and and not doing as well as he possibly could. So I could see him being part of the part of the staff, maybe an assistant or a, an attacking coach or something like that. But we'd need somebody uh, with a bit more character. But um, but yeah, um, Pearson's obviously been mentioned a number of times, and he's you know he's again he's he's got a long career behind him. Would he come down to League One after being at uh, where was he last? Was he at um, Watford? Watford, wasn't it? yeah, Watford, yeah, yeah. The yeah. You know, would he would he do that? I don't know. Um, but there's um, it's more about what the person is for me than who the person is. Like you said, Gav, you know, we need the person to be um, you know a, a character, as Chris touched on. Um, and we need them to have a, a little bit of long-term strategic thinking about them. And, you know, for God's sake, let's have a plan B and maybe even a plan C for once, you know. <laughs> be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, just following on to that then, is there anyone who, who sort of sticks out to you? Uh, well, I think uh, looking at I'm looking at the list right now. Um, as I said, the Cowley's at the top and you've got Cook, Poirier, Pearson, Lee Johnson, Adkin, and then it's, you start getting the Roy Keane after that. 16 to 1 and Nigel Atkins 16 to 1 I mean out of those top 5 everyone who's kind of less than there's 4 people who I can see is less than 10 to 1 and that's Cowley, Cook, Poyet and Pearson so if they're the they're the leading contenders I mean I I think Cowley Cowley's a roll of the dice as far as I'm concerned like you said Gav he's He's uh, he seems to have done well. He's got a good philosophy, but um, it'd be a big step up for him. And I know he was at Huddersfield. Um, uh, he did okay at Huddersfield, um, but I I just think it's a bit of a roll of the dice from from the owners to go directly in, unless they've seen him at kind of closer quarters than than we have, and they know more about him than we do, and know know how he's going to set up, and know how he's going to work with a director of football as well. Um, Gus Poyet, um, I think. Because Poyet, he he played some fantastic football when he had a Premier League squad with us. But I, I'd like to, he, I'm sure he'd get frustrated trying to get this lot to uh, to play that type of football. Um, I, I'm not sure if he could pull it off. I'm a, a little bit worried as well because Poyet's had a couple of blow blow ups at, at previous clubs as well. Um, so if it if it started going wrong, and I, I know the Sun and Vans are a bit. He started coming out with some strange stuff when he was here last time. Although that the club was a bit of a kind of a basket case the last time he was here, so it was it was a bit um it was kind of odd times when he was here last. So, I mean, out of those four, it's it's Poyet or Cowley. Do you want to roll the dice with Cowley or go back to to Poyet? So, mm. um, I don't know if there's a left field you know suggestion who's going to come well, into the betting yeah, later. Yeah, on. that that's that's what I'm thinking is after all I've said there about the sporting director and and so on that. There could the will you would imagine be interviewing contenders who maybe aren't on that list and are a little bit outside the box, you know? Um, it's been shown at clubs like Swansea, you can you can go out and Swansea are doing very well with their manager who came out of nowhere. He was just a coach. Uh, I know he was doing he was coaching in the England setup, wasn't he? As uh, it's Steve Cooper. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's it, it, it essentially we're all just guessing at the minute because until we know 
what the crack is with this owner ownership situation and who the sporting director is and we get to hear about what their philosophy on football is and the way they want the club to to kick on under new ownership then it's going to be difficult really to get into their headspace and work out who who's going to be a suitable manager um but the the only indication that we've had of any sort of structural change was in that the keep article that said we were going to hire we were looking to hire a sporting director now from by my uh, my estimation this is just a pure guess but for what it's worth i think if you're hiring a, a sporting director you're definitely going to look, going down a more modern route when it comes to to everything not just not just hiring the manager but everything and the manager is one piece in a in a in a massive puzzle essentially um they are they, they all of a sudden they aren't the most important person at the club if the sporting director is the man running the football side of the club so I think things will probably become more clear over the coming days. There's bound to be leaks in the press and stuff over who they're interviewing, and we will get a better idea of it. But I'm not surprised to see Gus and Cowley there. To be honest, Gus, I would, I would, I would be over the moon to be honest if he came back. And I know there's with 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 every, the thing is we're a League One club, and with everybody that we're going to be linked with, they're going to be they're going to be plenty of things in the plus column and plenty of things in the in the negatives column. With Gus, at least we know what we'll be getting. We know we know you know he's fiery. He gets players up for it, as we saw in that cup run and the 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 fight against relegation, which he won. Um, but on the other side of it is like you say, he's been at a number of clubs and fell out with ownership. He hasn't held down a job particularly. Um, but again, on the plus side is his his teams do try to play football in a in a decent manner. So um. I just think we've got to leave our options open as fans at the minute. He did think Will Buckley was a Premier League player. Yeah, and he did say he would sign Bridcut if he was Real Madrid manager. But I think maybe he was just talking up his best player at that point. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so we will now defer to the questions from the, the Rotor Report Twitter followers. We've had an absolute ton of responses. I think there's something like, well, 140 questions here. So we're not going to obviously get through them all. So we'll just touch on some of the main topics. The first one comes from Graham Wright. And it's something we haven't really spoke about so far. What do we know of Andrew Taylor? Um, so Andrew Taylor is the man, of course, who's been put in temporary charge of the first team until a manager is appointed. He was brought into the coaching staff, was it at the start of the season or maybe just before lockdown? I can't remember, but he, he played for Parkinson for Bolton, didn't he? And he, he sort of, he's quite a young man. Um, I wouldn't Born read, to be honest. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, I wouldn't read, I'm not going to read too much into his involvement. I think they just need somebody to take training for a few days until this is all sorted, don't they? Um, he'll be in charge of the team on Tuesday night. What will be interesting, I guess, is is we're going to see more of the same from one of Parkinson's coaches in a sort of like a show of solidarity, or is he going to try and he'll going to see something like, well, this is everything I wanted him to do, and he wouldn't let, he wouldn't listen to me, sort of crap, you know? Like, we're going to see some of the young players start against Burton, uh, but that 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 is quite interesting, actually. It's a it's a little side story that we haven't really thought much about tonight as we've been trying to process all of this news. But um so yeah, Mal, what do you think maybe of Andrew Taylor then um and what that means for the next week or so? Um <clears throat> it's an interesting challenge for, for Andrew Taylor. Obviously, we've got no visibility of how long he's gonna be at the helm. Uh I think he's got a good opportunity to to kind of um give himself some good press, you know. Uh, I think there's a, a, a real, you, you want to see a change immediately. Uh, and there is a risk that because he was, um, you know, in some ways working with Parkinson in the past, that he might stick with the model that they've got. But, you know, even if he does little things like giving subs half an hour, you know, a couple of subs half an hour, um, then he's going to make a positive change for, for what we're seeing on the pitch. We need to, we need to see that happen. Um, 
just just going back linking this to your your last point, Gav. Uh, the reason I think um, the the moving on of Parkinson now may be linked to the sporting director potentially already being identified uh, also relates to this. You know, the the manager is going to need to be um, interviewed with the sporting director in mind, um, and I think I think Andrew Taylor has been put there because he's possibly the best short-term person for the job in what will hopefully be quite a short period of time before the new boss comes in. Um, mm. But we've got to, we've got to get behind the lad. You know, like you say, he's quite a young person. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's got, he's got nothing to lose. So I'd like to see him have a bit of a go and, and get yeah. the lads to do the same. Why not? Yeah, mm. why not? Uh, this one for yeah. you, Chris, then from Akko. He says, is this, a, is, is this also a sign of imminent takeover? I know we've touched on it briefly, but, um, is, do you think? Do you think this is a sign that the, the takeover is probably more imminent even than what we think? Is it a bit like Coleman and a couple of people have mentioned that um, with Coleman? You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think so. I mentioned earlier. I think, uh, I think something's triggered somewhere. I think we've either hit a point where you know, like I said, the director of football is kind of ready to step into the job, and he said, right, well, you know, let you know the manager needs to go. We need to get on with what we're doing next, or it's hit a stage where. Um, they're so worried about the deal not going through that they've said, right, well, we need to make a change to make sure that the the, the last parts of the deal go through and it's, you know, they're not taking over a, a mid-table kind of League One club who who was struggling to keep in touch with the playoffs because it's, I mean, looking at the fixtures, you mentioned um, Taylor taking over Tuesday night, Burton Albion, it's a massive week. Uh, we need six points out of these two home games, uh, Burton um you know, Tuesday night and uh, Wigan at the weekend. So it's a, it's a massive week in that sense. Yeah. Next one's from Dean Pope. Good question, this. Um, I think we probably know the answer, but still worth touching on. Should we look for a short-term manager, Malk, to get out of the league or look beyond and look to build something? Short-term manager would be somebody like Paul Cook, wouldn't it? Long-term manager would maybe be someone more like Cowley. What do we need, really? Um, It's, it's going to be down to... You know, if the new owners are almost across the line, it's going to be down to what their their kind of high level strategy and their initial tactics kind of come down to. Um, I don't think we can get much less out of a short term manager than we were already getting out of Parkinson. Um, but you just end up wasting time and money on people who are, are a, a kind of a lastoplast. You know, Paul Cook. You know, he's he's as we said a little bit similar to Parkinson in many ways. Um, and he's and he's done okay things in League One and League Two in the past, but is he going to be enough of a a kind of shift in thinking for us to move forward? You know, the new owners I think will want kind of a new dawn, uh, and you're not going to get that with Paul Cook. Um, no. So I I think it's I think personally I think we should um, take our time, as I said before, and appoint the right person. You know, and and you know I don't know about you guys, but when Parkinson got the job 13 months ago, wherever it was. I didn't think he would even be in the running. You know, I don't. I no, think I don't think that. anybody did no, really, did they? No. I think I think the the problem with that that back then was that there were there were managers available and we believed interviewed who were night and day in terms of Parkinson in terms of like the uh, being suitable for the role. There was there were, I mean, probably looking in hindsight now, but somebody like Gareth Ainsworth was mm. very close. I think he was down to the final two, from what I believe. Got interviewed and obviously didn't get the job. Pearson spoke to the club and was told he couldn't bring in all of the team that he wanted, so that never happened. Um, there were better managers than Partington out there, and I mean, even though the, a lot of fans didn't want him and made that very clear from day one, a lot of people also said, "Well, give the lad the benefit of the doubt; he's coming here to do a job." Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I don't think many people wanted him. Um, there's also the, the the chance as well, Gav, just, just to close that point out, there's a no, chance that the it. new owners have got a lot of links with European football. They could be mm. having their eye on somebody from the continent, you know, and a bit like, you know, was it Barnsley who brought a, a foreign um, manager yeah. in the uh, season Stendhal. before last? Stendhal, yeah. You know, they, 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 they'll have networks and knowledge that the likes of Stewart and Charlie and, and even Parkinson and that won't have. They might be thinking about well, doing something so. like that, you know. <laughs> and then and, and if that's the kind of left-field name that jumps onto the list, um, then, you know, we, we'd have to give them a crack uh, and see how yeah. it goes. Cool. Uh, right, next question is from James Heppel. Again, something that we, we haven't touched on yet, but it is important. Are the lads excited about the prospect of McGeady coming back into the team? Do you want to see him feature... <laughs> Well, it's it's definitely worth talking about because now Parkinson's gone, there is a route back to the first team for McGeady. He played for the 23s last week. He's been back in training. Uh, there is a screenshot going around Twitter today, uh, a message from him to a fan saying that he is registered to play. <sighs> Come on. First first thing this manager is going to do, whoever comes in, doesn't matter who they are, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna put him back straight back in, aren't they? Um, are we excited, Chris, about maybe seeing Aiden back? Uh, well, I'm, I'm more excited now than the thought of him coming back under Parkinson because I think I <laughs> somewhat. I think Connor asked left wing back. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't have made a difference if he'd come back under Parkinson because the tactics would have still been crap, so it would have made no yeah. difference. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, I just hope that people don't think he's going to be the the savior coming back into the team because I can I can see people hanging the you know you know hanging all their hopes on. McGeady coming back into the team and I think he'll improve things under a manager who knows how to use him um, in the best way at his age and get him in a, in a decent position but uh, yeah he's, he's going to be a, he's a good addition to the squad but he's, he's not going to be kind of our saviour I think uh, that's going to be um, a manager who's making us play in a more positive way I think. Mm. I think I think though the only thing you can probably say there is he's going to give 120% for the next manager just to prove Parkinson wrong isn't he? <laughs> that, yeah. I think I think that's pretty that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, Malk, yeah, any anything to add there on McGeady? Are you looking forward to seeing him? Um, I th- I think he he'll be back. Um, the one thing I regret is not. I mean, and maybe it'll come out in the press over the coming weeks. I'm, I'm not clear why he actually even got back into the under 23s because he was probably banished to the wilderness, wasn't he? At one point. Um, yeah. So um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what stories come out once Parkinson's left and and assuming McGeady does come back into the fold. Um, I think he, he can come back in. I think he should come back in. But I would hate that to be at the cost of the kids, which who've been waiting such a long time to get that opportunity. You know, now he's he's not as young as he used to be, McGeady. So there's nothing wrong with giving him half an hour at the end of a game or giving him an hour and then bringing some of the youngsters on. Um, but he'll he'll add things to the squad that we need. Our attacking third is is just desperate. Um, you know and. As we've said previously, you know, if it weren't for for Grant hitting that thunderbolt, you know, we might well have lost that game against Doncaster. Mm. That wasn't that wasn't a a, a well crafted attacking goal. It was just a wonder strike that you see once in a blue moon. So uh, I, I think he'll come back, and um, I, I think he I think he'll know his own limitations, and hopefully he'll he'll fit into the squad and do a bit of a job whilst he's still got the the capability in his legs. Mm. Next question from Niall Rose. He says, "Will a change of manager get our strikers?" Graham, Grigg and O'Brien scoring, or do we need fresh faces? I'll start on that one, Niall. Um, I think there is something to be said about the fresh faces comment because one thing people are probably going to expect with with new owners coming in is is the, the spending of money in January. It's right around the corner. It's very clear we have deficiencies in the squad. 
But I'm honestly not convinced that spending money is something that's going to happen because you've just got to consider how much money the club's probably lost since the season started with the with there being no fans in the ground, uh, buying buying merchandise and, and all the rest of it that comes with it, all the money going into the club that usually would be coming in. That, that's been cut off and it makes us think, regardless of whether we, we have a new owner, if there's still no fans in the ground, then there's no chance we're going to be spending money. So then that falls on the the new manager to get what he can from these these players and this will be the third manager that Will Griggs had but it'll probably be the third manager who'll take a look at him and think I can probably get something from him the problem being that Parkinson before he came to Sunderland traditionally favoured a big striker he had Gary Medina Bolton he had um, uh, well whoever else uh, Chris Owolumo at Colchester at Bradford he had Hansen you know all of Parkinson's teams have a big striker leading the line and I just never felt deep down Grigg would get a chance. But um, when you're talking about players like Embleton maybe trying to get a chance and a, and a new manager probably looking at him and thinking he's a good player, McGeady coming back into the fold, those are players that you would surround a striker like Grigg with traditionally. So any striker worth assault, uh, any manager worth assault will look at his options and think, Grigg, I can get more from him than the other managers have. O'Brien's a Republic of Ireland international who scored goals in the championship has been useless under Parkinson, but he's never been played as a striker. I can get something from him. Um, what do you think, Chris? Are you, are you, do, you, do you reckon... Do, what, is, is that... Let, let me rephrase Niall's question maybe a little bit. Is How important is that to immediate success under the new manager? Is that, is, that the, is that the first thing they've got to do? Is discover a way to get goals out of these strikers? Because as good as Wyke's played at times this season and he's scored goals, I think there's... Anyone coming in is going to maybe look at those options and and favour some of the others, even though their records at Sunderland aren't as good. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, going into your point, I mean, I, I think I hope a lot of Sunderland fans aren't expecting a a January spending spree because I just think, I mean, that 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 just isn't going to happen. I mean, we've all got to assume that that's not going to be the case because it doesn't matter if you you know you've got a billionaire coming into the club, um, which which we you know <laughs> signs all that that might be the case, um, that. It, it it makes no difference because you, you, I mean we're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got the salary cap and we've got the fair play rules, so we can't. I mean, even if we want to do, that's not going to happen. Um, we're we're going to be. Don't get us wrong. We might be able to bring in one or two. We might, but I think that's going to depend on if we shift one or two. Um, so I, I'm not expecting in January our squad to completely change, and then in February we've got a different starting eleven to the one we had in in January. Um, that that's not going to happen. In terms of the strikers, we've it, it showed with Parkinson. It's it's the style of play. So he tried to play two up front, but when you isolate the two and you've got two up front who have got a chronic lack of pace, um, it makes no difference. So if you look at Will Gregg, if you look at Danny Graham, if you look at Charlie White, if you, you know our strikers, we, we've got no pace. I mean, we've got no pace throughout the team. So what you've got to do is you've got to play in a way that gets as many players up with them. As, as you can, and that's that's something we haven't been doing. We've been crossing the ball into the box where we've got one at a maximum of two players into the box, and we keep throwing fifty crosses a game in, and it doesn't work. So yeah, I mean, absolutely right. If you if we get a style, if we get a manager who brings a style in that gets the the goals from these strikers and plays in a way where we're supporting them, then um, I, I think we've got strikers who can score goals. We just not playing in a way that that gives them a chance. Mm. Okay, I think we'll probably round things off there, though. We've had a couple of questions. One from David Hamblin. Should we relay the Sol pitch so we have a slope? And Joshua Kelsey, <laughs> is, is it harsh 
sacking Parkinson considering the slope in the Fleetwood match. <laughs> um, to answer both questions, David, yes, let's do it. Why not? Josh, uh, no, it's not harsh. Um, but being serious for a minute, those sort of comments probably cost him his job, didn't they? Um, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll be back through the week with the player rating show, obviously, after the Burton Albion game and the extra show, which will go out just before we play Wigan, isn't it? Wigan, phew, there. There's, there's a game that you don't want to lose. Aren't the fielding teams of kids at the minute? Um, yeah, it could be a funny week for Sunderland, but I'm sure we will keep you connected all the way through, so make sure you tune in as the week progresses and read the website because, of course, we're on top of everything there. Lads, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers for Cheers, dropping Thanks everything us, on a Sunday yeah. to um, talk about Phil Parkinson. I'm sure for once, though, people will agree it's been cathartic. Thanks very much. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.